You're listening to Kitchen Table Finance. Join Dave Shotwell and Nick Nauta as they cut through the complexity of financial planning and serve bites of investment advice that are both personal and practical. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Nick. How are you? I am fantastic. Beautiful day for a podcast. So feeling good about that. Heading out on a little vacation next week. So all things good. Going to enjoy the last month of summer here. Yeah, winding down fast. And uh, that also means we're coming into review season. So it's a double whammy. That is right. So I'm excited about today's topic, Dave. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about insurance and what exactly you should be insuring and maybe some tips for some things to potentially avoid. Yeah, this, uh, this topic really grabbed me just yesterday when you were asking what we should podcast about because I got this, I got this glossy flyer in the mail from one of Michigan's major utility companies. And I'm, my, my legal counsel has advised me not to name them. Because <laughs> I'm, sure, yeah, I'm, sure I'm sure they're listening in on our podcast and, and she doesn't want me to you know, necessarily defame them. But anyway, so, so what this flyer was all about was how expensive it is to repair your appliances and how they can make that so much easier by providing an insurance slash warranty service. Yeah. And, you know, it was, it, was, it was glossy and pretty and it was right on the front cover was, where will your next appliance breakdown happen? Your AC, your water heater, your refrigerator? Check the box. Yes, I want to save money or no, I would rather pay <laughs> hundreds of dollars for heating, cooling and appliance repairs because those are the only choices, right? Either, either, right. either you buy, <laughs> either, either you want to save money by buying their insurance program. Right. Or you want to spend hundreds of dollars repairing your heating, cooling, and appliances. So, you know, a normal person would have probably chucked this thing right in the garbage, I would hope. But sure. I'm, not, I'm not a normal person. So, <laughs> I, so I opened it up and pulled up the website with all the fine print because it told me where to mm-hmm. go for the details. Um, because the normal person's brain is going to look at, so on the flyer, it said, you know, they had a couple different levels of coverage. The core coverage, what they called the core coverage was $20 a month. Okay. Not super exorbitant, probably less than a lot of people are spending on coffee right now with a $75 deductible. And it cover, it just said it covers your air conditioner, your furnace, your water heater, but it didn't specify anything about what repairs are actually covered. It was $20 a month, so $240 a year plus $75 if you need to actually have a repair. For our listeners, Dave, do you want to talk about what a deductible is? So deductible is the amount you pay per occurrence out of your yep. pocket before the insurance picks anything up. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Right off the bat, you're essentially committing to spending $240 a year on appliance repair, mm-hmm. whether you need it or not. Yep. Okay. Sunk cost, right? Right. Right. <laughs> right. And so, so then I, I pulled up the details. And, and so when, when you're, when the human brain says, reads these kind of things and says, okay, if I just spend $20 a month, I never have to worry about my air conditioner again. Right. That's, right. that's, that's yep. the thinking. Right. But then what you've got to do with these things is look at the details. Right. Mm -hmm. Because yes, if you could spend $20 a month and never worry about your heater, your air conditioner, that that might be not a bad deal. 
Okay. Yeah. But yeah. so what does it cover? It covers repairs. Unless those repairs are worth more than the appliance is worth. That was the first caveat. So if you've got a refrigerator that's a few years old, how much is it really worth? It does not cover replacement if your appliance actually is just DOA. If they get, mm-hmm. if it's, if it can't be fixed, they're not paying you to buy a new refrigerator. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or a, or a new furnace. I stick, you know. So I'm, I'm curious here, Dave, and, and I'm pretty sure you know the answer, but who gets to decide what the appliance is worth? Well, <laughs> they get to decide that, not you. And it, they, they specify that it must be in good order when you start the contract, but they didn't kind of, they didn't really say what that meant. But if, it, if, right. it, if it's already broken when you sign up, they're not. <laughs> that, that one, I'll give them that one, that right? That makes sense. Yeah. But, but then, okay, so start looking at the list of exclusions. Fire, flood, pet, pest damage, attempts you may have made to fix the appliance, <laughs> power outages, power surges, as acts of God or abnormal <laughs> conditions are all excluded. And there, there were more, but those were the, those were the exciting ones. Right. And, and so I'm thinking, okay, what's going to happen to my air conditioner other than these things? Now, I don't own an air conditioner, but if I did, <laughs> what's going to happen to it? Other, like the things that I think about are like a tree falling on it. I guess that would be an mm-hmm. act of God. Squirrels, uh, in Northern Michigan, squirrels like to eat everything. So, you know, that, that's always a concern. That's not covered. The next one kind of got me though, too. So if the repair cost exceeds a thousand dollars, it's not, they, they, it doesn't get covered either. So, right. so you're essentially saying, I'm going to spend $240 a year plus a $75 deductible. But if the, it's like now we've got this narrow window where it might be a good thing. Like if your repair right. is like $310 to a thousand dollars, great, you're covered. You yep. know, assuming it was because I, I guess that leaves like mechanical failure of the parts that's covered, mm-hmm. but not, you know, not anything outside normal wear and tear, then I guess would be. Uh, so if your air conditioner fan dies because it just runs all the time, that's right. that that's that's a scenario where you'd be covered. But if the maple tree splits in the backyard and falls on it, you're not covered. The whole point of this is you've really got to look at what you're actually getting covered. And a lot of people don't do that in these instances. Mm-hmm. But it kind of, you know, I'm, I'm getting all worked up about a specific example just because I got it in the mail yesterday. But it kind of mm-hmm. leads to a, a, like a bigger philosophical discussion about warranties, insurance. What should you insure versus mm-hmm. what should you just not cover right. and save for and plan to pay out of pocket if it happens? And, you know, so if, say instead of buying the insurance, you put 20 to $30 a month into a savings account labeled appliance repairs. I've got to think for most people, you'd be, you'd be better off than buying this insurance. Right. It, you know, it's possible that your air conditioner and your furnace would die at the same time while you're just starting to save. You know, right. I, I shouldn't say die because that wouldn't be covered. That they would have a mechanical failure that would be covered that you hadn't saved for yet. But what are the odds of that? Right. Well, I mean, if you're doing quick math, right, two forty, the twenty dollars a month, you'll have a thousand dollars in yeah. four years. Yeah. So depending on the age of your appliances, chances are you're not like you're not going to be better off with the insurance. Right. Like you're paying basically 
a quarter of the potential insurance every year for the, if something were to happen, right? right. Like your maximum that you can get out of it is $700 or dollars or Six ninety nine. Right. It's got to be under a thousand. Right. Right. So I always look at it in terms of like how much of the percentage of what I'm going to get versus how much I have to pay, and what does that percentage look like? You know, it all comes back to our old saw that we use all the time about having a contingency fund and being able to cover these kind of expenses when they arise, rather than have to insure them. Absolutely. I mean, if you think of it in terms of, hey, if you've got, you know, three to six months of expenses in there, that money sitting in a savings account, which is actually probably hopefully earning some pretty decent interest. I mean, a lot of those accounts are up at 4%. So now you're getting paid to self-insure a little bit, which is always a good thing versus paying an insurance company for the potential that something bad might happen, but only being getting limited coverage for that. Right. Costs. Right. So, so Nick, what should you use insurance for? What's a scenario where it makes sense to insure something? I look at it from a, like a philosophical level of what could potentially happen that would be catastrophic enough Mm -hmm. that I wouldn't be able to cover it. Right. Right. So there's a long list of things that could potentially come into play. But the, the whole point of insurance when it was originally formed was, hey, if somebody's house burns down, they probably don't have the money or the right. capability to replace it. But we also know as the insurance company that there's a small percentage of houses that are actually going to burn right. down. Right. So if we get enough people to buy into the insurance yep. at a low cost then we can cover so, everybody's house and nobody has to be that one unfortunate right. person whose house burned down. Everybody pays a little bit to right. cover something that would be catastrophic to them. So you need exactly. you need two things to be true for insurance generally to make sense. The event would have to be catastrophic. House burns down, you still own the bank for your mortgage, you need a lump sum, mm-hmm. you need a place to live, right? Yep. So that's that's a catastrophe that you need to deal with. Or your brand new car, you get in an accident, you need to pay the bank back, you know, and you need wheels. That's a catastrophe from a financial mm-hmm. standpoint or, you know, yeah. and catastrophe may be strong, but you know what I mean. And, yep. and it's also a lower probability event. I think a good way to distinguish there is think about fender benders versus totaling your car. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so we know, you know, fender benders happen with much more regularity it's not as as simple as needing insurance, not needing insurance, but the difference there is what your deductible is, right? Mm-hmm. So that that's why high deductible policies are so much less expensive than low deductible policies. If you have a zero deductible on your auto insurance and the car company or the auto insurance company knows they're going to need to pay for every ding and dent, it's going to cost you. But if you're willing right. to say, hey, that stuff that high probability stuff, my cracked windshield, my, you know, crumpled fender because somebody backed into me at the supermarket. I'll eat that. I'll pay for that, you know, Mm -hmm. up to a thousand dollars or, you know, something reasonable. That's different. And no, I'm not going to, I'm going to hate writing that check to the body Mm -hmm. shop, but I'm probably only writing that check myself a few times in my lifetime. Right. Right. And I'll take my chances on that. Now, if I was to total my car, that's different. I need to replace mm-hmm. the car and I need to pay the bank back. 
you know, one of the things that you have to remember when it comes to something like mechanical coverage or warranties is insurance companies are really good at two things. <laughs> they're very, very good at marketing and they're very, very good at math. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. They can do the statistics. They can run the numbers. Home warranty program that advertised itself to me yesterday. They know how many people they need to charge $20 a month to to make their money at the end of the day. They know not every, mm-hmm. they know a very low percentage of people are going to actually make a claim that falls into those parameters that they're willing to cover and they'll be profitable. They'll be very right. profitable. One that always gets me is uh, cell phone insurance that, you know, every time I bought a mm-hmm. new cell phone, they ask me if I want to insure it. You know, what would happen if my cell phone completely died? Yes, I would have to replace it. Would I yep. be happy about it? No. Would I dig into my emergency fund and cover it and grumble? Yes. And then life would move on. But if you buy the insurance on it, by the time those contracts are up, you've paid for two phones, essentially. Yeah, exactly. I, mean, I just, I have an 11-year-old son. And so he has a phone and we, I just had this like same conversation where he smashed his phone mm-hmm. and we had to go get a replacement for it. And I didn't have the insurance on it. And of course they were trying to sell me the insurance, but mm-hmm. I was doing the math. And I'm like, well, if I buy the insurance, I guarantee that it's going to cost me about the cost of a phone in right. two years. Right. If right. I, if something happens, I might be a little bit better off, yeah. but if nothing happens, then I'll be a lot better off by not actually paying for the insurance. Right. There just wasn't and, that big of a gap between, hey, this will be really like, yeah. if it was $2 a month, that's a whole yeah. different story than if it's $15 a month yeah. or whatever it is for the and, life of a cell phone versus what it costs to buy a cell phone. And so, so instead you just scare your son real well and tell him what it's going to cost well, him. <laughs> it did cost him to replace that phone. So yes. he's fully aware. Hopefully yeah. that's a good learning experience yeah. for him. But you know, <laughs> I I think of like like buying mid-level, you know, electronics mm-hmm. now at the at the checkout counter. You do self-checkout at Walmart or Best Buy, and it's gonna oh. I can't believe the number of things they've asked me at the checkout counter. Do you want to warranty this? Yeah. And it's like, like it could be something silly for like a hundred bucks, but it'll be $10. Yeah. Yeah. So for a 10% increase in my cost, if the product's not going to last a year or whatever the (laughs) covers, I probably should have done more research on the, on the front end before I bought it. Well, again, that's like the marketing thing. Like most people look at that. My wife would be a perfect example. It should just another $10, throw it on top. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. cause people don't think about it or they think it's such a small amount that they just do it anyways, yeah. knowing yeah. that you know, that will be a lost, you know, they won't ever get anything out of it. They really are preying on behavioral finance and the way people think about money. We don't oh, like, sure. like, like if you can take the risk and we, you know, we deal with clients and risk all the time, right? If you can take mm-hmm. the risk out of something, people, people value that in a way mentally that doesn't make sense necessarily from a financial standpoint. And and they pray on that. Yeah, oh, for sure. And, you know, I I guess, and this is why we've talked about it all the time, but having that contingency fund, having that emergency fund is so important because it is your insurance policy against all of these things happening to you, Mm -hmm. right? You don't have to say yes at the checkout. You don't have to get the cell phone insurance. You don't have to 
get any, you know, any of the small turn or the, the home maintenance because you have an emergency fund. If you don't have an emergency fund, it becomes a little bit different in terms of like, if you know that you don't have yes. that thousand dollars to replace something, then, you know, you have to think a little bit harder about, do I spend this knowing that I can't go and live without this thing Right. versus do I try to build up my emergency fund? Can I do both? It's a little bit harder of an equation. But the best step in all of this is an emergency fund. Every time oh, absolutely. You know, they ask me, you know, do you want the Apple Care insurance? I say, no, I have an emergency fund. I don't need that. Yeah. <laughs> like I have enough money to buy a new phone. I don't need to insure this phone should something right. bad happen. It's important, I think, to point out that at a certain point, you, you had to sacrifice a little bit to create yes. that emergency fund, right? I mean, that mm-hmm. took a little, oh, absolutely. you know, and, and there was a time in there where, where there is some risk. And the insurance mm-hmm. is all about transferring risk, right? So that's, right. it's not like we're saying that risk goes away, while, but, it, but it's limited to that period of budgeting and sacrificing to build up that emergency yeah. fund. And you've got to have the discipline to say, like I, a little tongue in cheek at the beginning, I said, you know, what if you took that 20 or $30 and put it in a savings account labeled, you know, appliance repair fund? I wouldn't literally do that. But you've got to have the discipline then to remember that that's not my vacation fund. That's not my redecorate the living room fund. That's my break in glass in case of emergency contingency fund. Well, great. I mean, we have a car fund where I put extra money yeah. in because I know there's going to be oil changes yeah. or routine yep. maintenance or yep. things that fall off, you know, and, and I tend to drive older cars. And so that's a part of it. I know they have auto care insurance policies now, but at the same thing, like the cost versus the benefit is yeah. pretty hard to justify. Yeah. Like my my auto maintenance repair bucket in my savings account is essentially equal to what my deductible is on my auto insurance. And if I take $90 out of it because I needed an oil change and filters or something in a particular month, I put that money back into that fund because I want it to be close to what my deductible would be if I did have right. something that was covered mostly by insurance. I kind of know that's my backstop. Right. So and it allows you to potentially have a larger deductible because you know you have that money available, right? Yeah. Which ends up saving you money every month on right. car insurance. Right. Right. I'm not afraid of those little minor costs. So let's highlight a couple of things that maybe a couple of, we covered most of them, Dave, but let's talk about like, what are the list of things that you should be weary about or look a little harder into? Obviously we talked about insurance on your cell phone, right? Right. Talked about the uh, home maintenance warranty. What else is there? I get calls, spam calls daily on extended warranties on my car. Oh yeah. (laughs) You know, and, and again, yes, it would really stink if the transmission fell out of my car. But, you know, my, my car with the mileage it has on it, I assume that's going to happen at some point. It's kind of built right. in yeah. to my budget that I'm going to mm-hmm. more likely like like I'm either going to have to make some major repairs or I'm going to be replacing the car. So right. my mental calculation is I need to be saving for either a down payment or some major repairs over the next mm-hmm. couple of years. No, I'm not going to buy an extended warranty on my car. Again, they've done the math. They know what the odds are. And those are another one of those policies that are littered with exclusions and yeah. things you got to look out for and things yeah. they do and don't cover. And, you know, when oh, you really get into yeah. the nitty gritty, there's not a lot of room for you to yeah. actually benefit. Basically, yeah, it's mechanical failure that's their fault. 
is really what it comes down to. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're covering against your car being a lemon. But uh, accidental death and dismemberment insurance, I see you put this on the list. I like, I like to bring that one up because that one preys on emotions, right? Oh, for sure. And it's, and it's so, the other thing is it's so darn cheap. And the yeah. reason it's so darn cheap is it's because they rarely pay out claims. Right, right. <laughs> they, they know that while everybody dies, very few people die in things that would be deemed accidental right. death and dismemberment by the yeah. insurance company. So they take this like grisly thing and they're like, wouldn't you want your wife to get a check, you know, if this happened right. to you? <laughs> well, you know, if, if, if those are the circumstances, uh, you know, I, I need, I have regular life insurance in place for those, yeah. guys, you know, and right. it's just a little way for the insurance company to goose up the premium a little bit on something mm-hmm. that's probably not going to cost yeah, absolutely. And that's one of those where, again, an insurance company is very good at the math. I guarantee that they did not price that wrong. Yeah. But I guarantee that they're making a profit off of it. Oh, yeah. And so the bigger thing with the insurance piece is make sure you have the right amount of coverage. Yeah. And then, you know, with that, you know, is going to pay out and then you don't have to worry about the extras like an accident. Yeah. We were talking before we came on the air that we really deserve life insurance deserves a whole separate podcast, you know, but just in general, accidental death and dismemberment insurance isn't a good deal. But we need to go into the details on term life versus uh, cash value life and how to distinguish between them and when they're appropriate. For sure. For sure. The big thing that we can say for today is make sure you know how much you need and have that coverage in place and a policy you know that's going to pay out. And we can kind of talk the specifics of what that means and what that looks like in yeah. a different episode. Well, and, and you've got cancer policy on this list too. And I, I'm not super, I haven't had to deal with cancer policies very often, but that's an, another one where there's a little bit of a fear factor, scare factor, emotional impact to it. Again, the companies have done the math and Mm -hmm. I would much rather have for myself a broad life insurance policy. Well, and in the the cancer case, the way that I think of it in terms of a cancer policy is it's really more about a disability issue, right? Because if you have like a, like a short-term terminal cancer, you're probably not too worried about like where the money's coming in if it's six months or so, right? I mean, you are to some degree, but also there's bigger things to worry about. And if you have a proper life insurance policy and you get terminal cancer, that you can actually use some of those funds and 99% yeah. of those policies have a terminal illness rider. But the bigger thing is if you have a cancer where you can't go to work for two or three years, what are you going to do, right? And that's right. where the disability policy comes into play because if you have a long-term disability policy and you can't work, that should kick in to replace your income. Right. So you should have that coverage. And this, the cancer policy oftentimes gets thrown into the accidental insurance, the, you know, the big players in, in terms of the accident realm of the... A lot of employers have these policies out there. And that's another one of those things where... An emergency fund is a great tool. So if you had an accident and had some higher expenses, you have an emergency fund to pull from. You don't necessarily need to have Mm -hmm. an accident policy if you have that in place. And I think of it in terms of, you know, the, the, the insurances that I'm really worried about people having are having enough life insurance if you're in that stage of life where someone's relying on your income. Yes. Having enough long-term disability insurance. Again, if somebody's relying on your income, you want to be able to replace that, especially right. the younger you are, the longer that time frame 
could potentially be. And then the third one is the home and auto. Um, a lot of that, unfortunately, is a requirement of, right. but in some of that for a really good reason and other parts of it, maybe not so much. So that is important to have the right amount of coverage and we can, mm-hmm. you know, throw in liability, liability. as a part yes. of that. Health insurance as well, right? Like having a solid health insurance plan and we can talk, there's, you know, we talked a little bit about deductibles and things like that. That's one of those things as well, where I'm not so concerned that you can go see your doctor every year and not be able to pay the $200 to do that. I'm more concerned that if you had a major health incident, right. like a cancer, major medical. health insurance yes. policy would cover that yes. because that would potentially put you in a place where you, would like one of those catastrophes, right? This deserves its own podcast to yes, it does. High, deduct- <laughs> high deductible health insurance plans. The premiums are low, the deductibles are high, and they can work well if you are reasonably healthy and you are a good saver. Right. You know, or a a disciplined saver where you're going to have the money in the bank to cover your medical deductibles if Mm -hmm. you have them. So, yeah, yeah, um, and offers some great financial planning opportunities. But again, that's a whole nother half hour. Absolutely. We, had, we, we unlocked a lot to talk about we did. when it comes to we insurance. Did. We did. <laughs> so just one final thing on the, the cancer policy and going back to that, like the short-term versus long-term disability. I tell clients this all the time. I'm not so worried about what happens to you if you can't work for three to six months. Right. But if you can't work for three to six years, that's, that's going to cause different. a major problem, yeah. right? Like yeah. we can find a way to figure out the next three to six yeah. months. Yeah. It's nearly impossible well, to find a way to work figure out the next three to six years when you don't have any. So what's the exclusion period on most uh, long-term disability policies? Three 90, months, right? 90 days. And yep. what do we normally recommend people try to have in their emergency fund? Three to six months. There you go. <laughs> There's no magic to this, folks. <laughs> There's not. No. <laughs> so, so, you know, that's, that's why we target three to six months of, uh, of uh, contingency fund savings is so that if you have that occurrence, you can get through that short-term period before your long-term disability kicks in. Absolutely. I think that's, you know, if you take away anything from today's podcast, it should be having an emergency fund, a contingency fund of three to six months of expenses. It's going to save you a lot of money from not needing to have all of these small policies to cover you for things that you have set aside in case something happens. And it's also going to kind of allow you to change some of the costs of other insurance and make sure that you know you're insuring what you can't self-insure and self-insuring what you can and making that all a part of your long-term financial plan. All right. So if our listeners have any questions on insurances or anything we talked about today, feel free to send us an email at info at srbadvisors.com and uh, look forward to a couple more insurance-related uh, podcast episodes, life insurance, health insurance. We got, uh, we got some work to do, Dave, yeah, so we'll be yeah. back. <laughs> we, can, we can add annuities to that list. Yes, yep, we, we could go on. I think, we've, I think we've mapped out the rest of the year for our podcast right there. Indeed. Well, as always, it's been a pleasure, Dave. Okay. Thanks, Nick. Gather around and follow the Kitchen Table Finance Podcast to learn about money and simple ways you can invest right now. You can find more practical advice at srbadvisors.com and contact the team for personal planning by emailing info at srbadvisors.com.